Hi, it's Jack here. Welcome to the Optimist Podcast, where we discuss the innovations, ideas, and solutions that will change the world and help us tackle some of the biggest issues facing us today. Our homes are where we spend a lot of our time and use a lot of energy. In fact, in 2019, the residential sector accounted for 15% of greenhouse gas emissions in the UK, generated from things like heating and cooling our homes. But today's guest, who's founded a company called Ecovert Solutions and specialises in building passive homes, which is a really eco-friendly form of housing, thinks he has the answer. The design life for a new house in the UK currently stands at 40 years. To me, that's absolutely shocking, you know, for somebody to invest all that money to build a house and it only lasts for 40 years. Now, unlike traditional brick and mortar homes built in the UK, which often struggle to get higher than a grade C energy rating, passive homes are built to such a high energy efficiency standard that they require very little energy for heating and cooling. But do these ultra-low energy homes cost more to build and why don't we see more of them being constructed across the UK? Well, the man with the answers is Tim from Ecovert Solutions. I'm Tim Hulse. I started my company Ecovert Solutions about 10 years ago now. And I started on the back of completing a master's degree at the Centre for Alternative Technology, which really got me fired up about uh, green building. And uh, I was looking for something that I could do as out, out of that. And off the back of that, I started this, this business focused on sustainable building, uh, initially on renovations to existing houses, but then fairly quickly moved into passive house. And since um, about 2013, that's been our main focus. What drove that, that change to focusing in on passive housing? Was, was it something you read or, or learnt about? Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd, I knew about Passive House from when I was doing my master's, but as we spent more time doing deeper retrofits, I realised that I didn't really understand what I was doing. I, under, I understood the practical side of it, you know, you put insulation on a wall or whatever, but I didn't really appreciate the impact. And I was trying to get my head around, well, if you put that much insulation on, how much of a difference is it going to make? I, I came at Passive House from the point of view of trying to understand the work that we were doing with existing buildings better. And it just, it was, it was a bit like a light bulb moment. It's, it's like the first time that I realised that you could fully describe how a building performed from a physics point of view. And then you could use that to predict the impact that the interventions you were going to have could make on, on the building. So even if you're not going to get to the Passive House, either in a retrofit or a new build, it's it's a really useful tool to have an understanding of the impact that you're going to make. The, the whole concept of passive housing has been around for quite a long time, but I, I wouldn't say that it's widely known about. For, for those who have no idea what it is or what the fundamentals of it are, can you just sort of explain in a simple way how it works and how it's different from your typical home? Really, it is quite simple. There's... there's um, a really strong focus on improving two elements of the house. One is the amount of insulation, and the second is the air tightness. So air tightness is important because you get air leaking into a house and out of a house, so you get moist air where you don't want it to be, causing mould either inside or outside or, or in, inside the walls, and it and it's bad for bad for health. Um, insulation is the bit that keeps you warm usually but if you've got leaks in it if like if you've got your, your coat unzipped air can circulate around inside the insulation and it takes away the the full benefits of the insulation so a passive house describes 
an approach to improving the insulation and the air tightness to a level that gives you a high degree of comfort and um, requires a level of heating around 10 percent of uh, your average house can, can it get to the point where you don't need any heating at all and you can just survive off like body heat and electronic devices and stuff it, it can um i think you, you need to be very specific about what what you're trying to achieve if you want to do that and why because um so certain certain styles of houses it's easier to achieve like the the more compact the shape is or even if it's a multi multi-story unit i was looking at some some Apartment buildings have been built in uh, in China recently, and uh, some massive apartment buildings that are all passive house. But that's it's easier to achieve that than it is with a rambling bungalow. So you need to be clear about what it is that you're trying to achieve. You you can bring in some heat from the outside anyway through solar gain through windows. Normally you have more windows on on your south facing side and less on on the north. Um, so you can use techniques like that to try and get a bit more heat into the house. But yeah, but body heat does does actually factor into the the equation when you're trying to work out the energy balance. It appears that you know having a passive house would save you money in the long term, as well as you know being of benefit to the environment because you're using less energy and things. But actually constructing the house is it more expensive than building a normal house, or is it cheaper? Is it the same? Yeah, well, according to the Passive House Trust, about well, I think, I think it was 2018. I think was the most recent numbers. They estimated the incremental cost for building to passive house standard was about 8% over your average build. And when you consider that a lot of the big house builders make massive profits, you know, if you can afford to pay your CEO a bonus of 100 million, I think you can afford to spend that, that little bit extra to improve the quality of the house. I think that's why passive house is more popular with self-builders, because they're, they're in a, a position to make that, that choice. Generally, they're probably saving some money along the line by doing the development uh, themselves. So it can make more sense. Are there many companies out there like yours that are building houses in this way? Or is it still quite an empty field? It depends where you are in the country. I think if you're in in the southeast, there's quite a lot. And there's starting to be some larger companies that that are are doing larger developments. Like there's there's a big development in... um, in uh, Leeds on, on the go at the moment for about 4,000 houses. So there's, there's that kind of projects on the go now, but in terms of sort of local house builders, there's very, very few. Um, in the area I'm in, I think um, I only know one other and, and they're not that, that close to us. Um, if we went, we're, we're, we're in the Chester area. If you go over to Manchester, you tend to find a few there, but still not very many. Um, so it's, it's, it's quite an open... Um, market at the moment and I think we've, we've been at the point where there's perhaps uh, not been enough supply to to generate the interest in in builders moving into that area but now we're seeing the the level of demand is is going up so I think more people are, go- are going to be interested and we're, we're currently with an architect based in Hereford we're looking at a an approach to try and get more more builders to get engaged with it um, so we've got three projects on the go where I'm trying to involve local builders to get them to upskill so they'll be able to run with those kinds of projects themselves in the future. It seems that the benefits of having a passive house completely outweigh having, you know, a traditional kind of home. But apart from perhaps there not being enough companies offering that service or developers, you know, perhaps not wanting to spend that extra bit of money, are are there any other reasons why we haven't just switched to all having passive homes? Yeah, well, I I think the other thing is that it requires a different set of um, materials and methods um, 
and therefore and 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 experience um you know it takes a while to get to grips with some of the the approaches that you take and there's a big increase in the the focus on quality if you don't do things right you're not going to um to achieve the results that you're you were aiming for so I mean, from my own personal experience, and I, I know that in trying to build, bring people into my company, um, with some individuals, they just want to fall back on their their own tried and tested way of doing things, even though that's not the right way to do it in 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 a passive house. You know, you can't have people falling back on on inappropriate methods or making holes in your air tightness that they don't tell you about or things like that. So you all need to be in it together. You've all got to be working towards the same objective. So they've got to believe in, in what, what you're doing, um, which, you know, I've found that really important within my own team. They've got a really good ethic as a, as a team. They, they, they understand what we're doing, why we're doing it. And it's important to them that we achieve passive houses as, as well. So, you know, if you're just viewing it as, a, as something as, you know, showing up at, eight o'clock and going home at four and you don't really care what you did that doesn't play so well you know despite there not being a huge number of passive homes at the moment in in the country in the uk have you felt like there's been a increase in demand for your services recently considering that people are now more than ever aware of their impact on the environment yeah there's been a massive increase in the last 12 months and i don't know whether it's because lockdown has given more uh, people more time to think about what they do, I, I don't. The projects they were involved in, I think, would have gone ahead anyway in in one form or another. So it's it's not created sort of net new work for the industry, but it's certainly got people thinking about how they they can do what they're planning to do differently, and you know, hopefully, make their retirement more comfortable or 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 whatever. So I, I think I can only put it down to people having had more time to to you know learn more about these things can you tell us about some of the projects you're working on at the moment or have got coming up soon uh we're just completing one new build it's it's quite large two-story uh detached house um from the outside it looks reasonably traditional um the ground floor is mostly stone from a local quarry which is quite sustainable so it's not come very far the upstairs is uh clad in in uh larch uh slate roof so it's reasonably traditional on the outside um triple glazed windows it's built on a passive slab foundation where the the insulation sits on the bottom the concrete's in the middle and that that gives you some ability to, to trap some heat in inside the building underfloor heating inside there the walls are built from uh, timber eye joists 300 millimeters deep full, fully filled with warm cell insulation uh, which is made from recycled cellulose we've got 400 millimeters of that in the in the roof and then the rest of the the finishing off inside is is what you would used to be seeing inside any, any new house really. So we usually do one or two new builds a year. We we have a an Enerfit retrofit on the way down in Chepstow. So that's a passive house level retrofit that started a couple of weeks ago. So we're just in the kind of dirty stage of the build where we're digging up the floors, breaking out the concrete and, you know, getting ready to, to put the thing back together again. And next week we're starting another Enerfit in the Manchester area, which is a big old four-storey um, Edwardian house. That's going to be all insulated from the inside using wood fibre insulation, 160 millimetres of wood fibre insulation with a, a lime plaster finish on, on that. 
and then we've got another NFIT project coming up in in another couple of months. So it, it seems like this year seems to be the year for for NFITs. Um, there's, there's three or four that I'm, I'm involved with, um, and there's more that we're discussing. So when you're taking a a property that already exists and has been there for a number of years, can you actually turn that into a totally passive home or does it have to be a brand new building for it to be officially classed as a passive house? It depends on the house, to be honest. It depends on the, on the shape of the house and what thermal bridges it has. So that's, that's how your heat's going to leak from the inside to the outside. So if you can come up with a scheme that eliminates the thermal bridges and gives it passive house levels of insulation and air tightness, the answer is yes. In practice, that's quite difficult because in a lot of houses, you've got weird bits that, that are hard to address. And it's a law of diminishing returns as well. Um, the better you want the energy performance to be, the more you're going to have to, have to throw at it. And you get to the point where, is it really spending that extra 40 grand to actually get it to Passive House or is Enifit good enough? And in terms of what we need to do with the housing stock in Britain um, to get to zero carbon by 2050, we, we don't need all the houses to be Passive House. Enifit would be, would be more than good enough and even not quite Enifit is, is, is good enough. Uh, you'd have to accept if that was the case that you'd be spending a bit more on um, on energy per year, but then you know you'd be talking about I don't know two hundred and fifty quid instead of one hundred and fifty quid a year. So you'd still be talking low bills, um, but it would be. I suppose the people that want to get to passive house, they're not just doing it to save the money and be comfortable, but they they probably also feel psychologically, you know, that there's it feels good to feel that you've got to to the best level that you can really get to. In terms of actually when you um, construct a, a passive home, let's say a new build uh, that you've built from scratch to a customer's specifications, does would that home last longer uh, bef- you know, uh, over a period of time than a house that, say, isn't built you know, following the, the passive home principles well i have to put that more down to the to the builder than the than the system um i think the 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 design life for a new house in the uk currently stands at 40 years which is to me that's absolutely shocking you know for somebody to invest all that money to build a house and it only lasts for 40 years now now it doesn't mean that they probably can't be dragged out longer than that but you only have to look at the quality of the stuff that the Victorians built and, and is still standing and very readily can be adapted to, you know, to, to get to Enifit or, or so on. Because you've got a good solid building there to work with. And it just, you know, makes you realise that the approach that we've been taking to building in the last 50 years has really just been a, a race to the bottom and they're not fit for the future. So the difference with our approach, I think, I think you will find that they'll last longer because the structure is is stronger to start with because you, you're building thicker walls, you've got a better focus on quality, the materials you're using are more expensive, you're considering things like interstitial condensation and technical things like that, which cause you to, to use the better materials that, you know, to make sure that the, you are going to get life out of, of uh, the investment that people are putting into it. So I'd be very surprised if, think, if the things that we build now don't last an awful lot longer. And the other thing is that some, some of these materials, um, you know, the better quality materials, they've been age tested 
uh, for up to 60 years. And uh, don't ask me how they actually can tell you that, but they're, they're sure that they, they will last for, for that period of time. And some of the insulations we use, the um, like we use a, a wood fibre insulation, the supplier guarantees it for the lifetime of the building which you know maybe they won't be around in, in that period of time but <laughs> it gives you some confidence in the the quality of the the materials that we're using so that that plus your additional focus on quality and how you do it i think does lend itself to buildings that are going to last longer in terms of the materials that you're actually using is it more natural fibers and and products rather than synthetic or man-made materials well it, that that really depends on the the client the architect and the builder i think it can go both ways um we have built a passive house that's well a couple actually that, that were built out of concrete blocks and then wrapped in um, ex- expanded polystyrene and then rendered. That's pretty much as man-made as you, you can get with high embodied carbon, lots of lots of oil use and so on. Um, and on the other hand, I think most of, most of what we do now is timber frame with, with either wood fibre or, or cellulose insulation. So it's much more sustainable from, from a product point of view. Um, the I think the verdict's out in terms of the impacts carbon-wise on the lifetime of the, the project. Um, there has been research done on both both methods and, and you know, lo- looking at the, what they call the carbon burp. So the process of building the house causes an increase in carbon during that, that construction phase. And it's not just based on the, the embodied carbon in the materials, but the energy and so on that you're using to, to build it. So you, building anything creates some CO2 and then you're hoping to mitigate that over the lifetime of the building because you're not emitting as much CO2 uh, through your heating. Ideally you'd do nothing because that doesn't emit any carbon but then to do that you'd have to have houses that didn't emit any carbon either so it's it's a bit of a bit of a tricky one really and it's uh, I think it's finding the balance between how far you go and what the, the impact is in the longer term. And to that end, I don't know whether you're familiar with the ACB, the Association um, for Environment Conscious Building, but they have a um, a building standard. They, 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 that was the organisation that brought Passive House into the UK and they introduced um, or set up the Passive House Trust. Um, but they have their own building standards as well uh, if you're not able to go as far as Passive House. And they've recently um, updated their standard to call it, uh, well, they've currently called it the ACB Building Standard. And that's a standard that they feel that if every house achieved um, would get us to zero carbon without the um, extra cost and efforts of getting as low as, as passive house. So that, that could be an interesting thing for people to look at as well. I, I think you've touched on a really interesting point because of the, the little knowledge that I have of the construction industry, it seems like it's up against a, a really hard challenge uh, when a lot of the materials that you, it uses, like concrete and and steel and stuff, are very carbon intensive. They give off a lot of emissions. H- how can building houses, building office blocks, anything, h- how can we get to a point where that is completely carbon neutral? I- is that a possibility? <laughs> well, moving to timber frame is a massive step in the right direction. To me, that's a no-brainer. Um, and it's you know, there's different ways you can build with timber frame. You can do what you call stick build, which is using four by twos. You can build with eye joists. You can build with twin stud. You can build with uh, the new composite laminated timber. So there's lots of different ways you can do it. 
and you can build to to huge heights now. Uh, Sumitomo in Japan is one of the leaders in um, forestry services in the world, and it's their three hundredth anniversary. I think I can't remember whether it was last year or this year, but they've, they've announced plans to build three hundred story high skyscraper in uh, Japan out of timber to celebrate their 300th anniversary. Now, there's nothing that tall at the moment, but it's, we certainly, I think in Vancouver in Canada, there's um, a student student accommodation at the university there. I believe that's 26 stories high. So building out of uh, timber is is doable. You've got to have a source of sustainable timber. I'm not sure there's enough currently being planted and maintained to 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 flip everything over to timber and then you've got the issue of well where's the timber in india or china or you know the emerging uh, markets where there's a lot of building going on and they need ready access to uh, really local materials otherwise you're shipping it around the world you know, although even in the uk our timber doesn't come from here it comes from scandinavia or or north america but those examples you're mentioning about the, the skyscrapers and stuff that's is that mass timber yes Yes. Is is that going to play a big part, mass timber, in terms of the buildings that you, you construct? I don't think so, a small scale, because you don't need the strength, you know, unless you're trying to do a grand design and um, want a nice video of how it went together. <laughs> um, I don't think it will. And the other problem with it is it takes a lot of timber. Like the, the, the amount of timber you need to build that way compared with iJoyce. I don't see how you could justify it. On a more broad scale, in terms of you setting up this uh, this business and uh, you know building the first houses and then growing it into what it is today, what what kind of challenges have you faced in in doing that? Um, <laughs> the first one was just getting people to understand what the hell you were talking about. <laughs> I mean, it, it, ten years ago, it doesn't seem that long ago, but people were just no idea what you would. You talk about energy efficiency in the house, and what? It just didn't have a clue what you were talking about. So, initial conversations, I felt like I was educating clients as much as anything, and then, then of course, you're educating your own your own workforce. Uh, but still, there is an element of that. You know, like so many people live in solid brick houses, and the way that you should be treating those is not the way that ninety percent are treated. You know. A lot of builders would be happy to turn up and put a load of kingspan, either as external or internal insulation, and you're just locking moisture in the walls. And I get people phoning me with problems where they've got um, cement render on a on a solid brick wall, and they're, they're wondering why they've got... Well, they know why they've got damp in the inside, which is why they're calling me. They know that if you got that off and put some lime on it, it would, it would solve the problem. That understanding of how buildings really work and the interventions you should be making isn't broadly enough understood and to my mind that that should be built into building regs i think most a lot of small builders view building regs as an aspiration not as a backstop and and they don't use it as a method of trying to understand how they should be going about the work they're doing it's like what you know what can we get away with what will the building inspector pull me up on whereas if you flip it around, you, you often find that the building inspectors are really interested in what you're doing. Oh, you're building a passive house. Oh, well, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing what, how you're going to do this or something. It, it makes for quite a, a good conversation with them. And with building inspectors, you're always better with them on your side than, uh, than not. <laughs> so do, do you think it's going to take more education on terms of the people who are in the construction industry and getting them to understand it more? Oh, yeah. 
massively, massively. And one of the things that really struck home with me, I've, I've put three apprentices through the um, through the business today. We just recently took on a, on another, but I went to Dublin to uh, do my certified passive house tradespersons course, because of course, uh, it, this being Britain, the only place in Britain you could go was Norfolk. Because Passive House isn't big enough here, so the, the only p- place offering training was down in Norfolk. And Dublin, from Chester, is, is closer than, it's a lot closer than Norfolk. So we, so one of my lads and me jumped in my car and we drove over to Dublin on the ferry, which was a, a real eye-opener. It was, it was at a technical college. And I'd been into the colleges here to see the lads, lads working here and what the setup was. Um, but over there, it was completely different. Um, here, you know... Typically, you'd have a pile of bricks in the floor and the, guy, the instructor would say, turn that into a wall or make a hip roof out of that pile of timber. Uh, but you went, went in there, they were, they were building timber frame houses, they had wind turbines, they had solar panels. It was like the future of building spread out for people to play with. They, they had a section on Passive House and they had like cross sections, like actually built sections of wall for like five different possible passive house wall constructions so it was it was i i was um, amazed to be honest you know this government you know talks about building green and all this stuff but wh- where's the investment in the colleges to get them to have a curriculum that's fit for purpose and fit for the future and and, and ha- helps people to build green and for those people who are, who are listening to this episode and they're thinking i want to you know change my house to so it's more sustainable, more green, and they want to be part of this movement. What would be your advice? What What are the first steps that they should take? I think um, a couple of things is to, is go and do a bit of research yourself. And for me, that's probably the two best places to go. Are first the um, the Passive House Trust website, which is it's got a lot of information for homeowners and uh, as as well as people who are, are interested in doing the work. Um, uh, and from there, you know, if you want to be building in in this space um going on to do a a passive house course um would would be a great way to start whether as a tradesperson or as a a designer or a consultant the other place is the acb that they have a very good website as well it has a lot of information on there about how to build green and sustainably and again it it links through to passive house and so on well the last question I wanted to finish on was, well, you know, you've undergone such an incredible journey over the last decade to get to where you are now to this point. What do you think the future holds for Ecovert Solutions and the work that you do? Mm, interesting. Well, funnily enough, I've been doing some work on that in in, um, uh, in the last few weeks, and we're, we're trying to put together a business plan at the moment that will grow the company by about a factor of five over the next five years, which it's it's a stretch, but I feel like the the market's starting to move in that direction, and if the demand's there, I don't see why that shouldn't be possible. Um, so it's trying to figure out how to scale the team appropriately so that you can you can split them every so often. So it's like grow and split and grow and split, and over time you'll end up with multiple teams. Um, who can work in parallel. But the other thing I'm finding is that we're starting to get interest um, in more multi-unit developments. So somebody who's wanting to build three houses or uh, another one with uh, with five townhouses, something like that would 
help the company grow quite rapidly because building three houses next to each other is is a lot easier than than building two houses. We, a couple of years ago, we built two houses about forty miles apart, and that there was there, there were no synergies between the two. It was just a, a bit of a challenge for me. Yeah, I feel I feel like the future is really bright at the moment. You know, it's been. Um, the last year has been a difficult time for everybody personally and, and so on. Um, you know, we we went into lockdown for about five weeks early last year and we locked down again earlier this year when the confidence of people in the team and what was going on at home and so on wasn't great. So we just sort of took a pause for a couple of weeks. But um, I think everyone's feeling positive now. Um, the interest is there. We've got work booked out till the middle of next year now. So I'm, I'm looking at finding the right kind of work to follow on from that that will enable us to enable us to grow and that brings us to the end of the show a huge thanks to my guest today tim if you want to discover more about anything we've discussed in today's episode then do have a look at ecovert solutions website which i've added to the description next time we'll be talking about batteries and we'll be meeting the founder of a company who says they've created the world's first renewable lithium battery I've been your host, Jack Sheeran. See you next time.